I'm just glad to be in the, uh, the company of Gangster Hotline. That's my favorite part <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 146 of the Erasable Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Notegeist, the online curated stationery shop for those who love eclectic, unusual, and much-beloved brands of stationery goods. Tonight, we're coming to you from three different time zones. I'm Johnny Gamber, here with Tim Wassum in Eastern Time, and Andy is dialed in from three hours ago out on the West Coast. Also joining us tonight, all the way from London, is Dave Tubman, who's joining us from several hours in the future. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, how hey, does the future look, Dave? <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Probably not good. <laughs> so I'm um, speaking of time travel tonight. We're going to talk to Dave about vintage pencils, because Dave is the owner and writer of Pencil Fodder, the only blog about vintage pencils, I believe. So thanks for joining us, Dave. I know it's super late where you are. Oh, not a problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. It's a, a pleasure to be on. Yeah. yeah. We really love your blog and, and, of course, the amazing pictures that you contribute to the Erasable group on Facebook. It's always <laughs> yes, really absolutely. great to see see a new post from Dave, Dave Tubman. Thank I do you. a little drooling. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can so, be hard uh, to gauge. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go first for Tools of the Trade, Dave? Talk about what you're consuming? Uh, if you want. Um, sure. Uh I, I put some things down in the show notes, but I, you can correct me if these are the wrong ones. Maybe I'm confusing you with 1857 and I've just picked the wrong things, but here we go anyway. <laughs> um, um, so in terms of paper, um, I'm, I, I use uh, these endless recorder notebooks, which is currently on the floor. Um, and I, I get them from, from Stu Lennon's place. They're the, um, I don't know if you've seen them. They kind of look like a moleskin. Uh, the hard copy one or the hard cover one, uh, but they use uh, Tomoe Tomoe River paper. Oh, nice. uh, so uh, they're really good. I know some people don't like Tomoe River paper with pencils because it's it's maybe a little smooth, um, but um, I like them. I, I use A5 hard hardback books all the time for work, uh, and these ones seem to. Uh, offer the best for pens and pencils. So so I use them a lot. Uh, and then for my notes, just general notes and bits and pieces, I'm currently using a Lenore, um, which is a right notepads one, which I actually forgot the name of um, and then spent, <laughs> spent this afternoon like Googling things like right notepads, Raven, Edgar Allan Poe, until I just find, <laughs> find the one that it was called. Um, been there. Yeah. So it turns out it's called Lenore. Um, and it's good. It has that strange graph paper that doesn't seem to come on any other ones, um, which I quite like. It reminds me of school. We had um, I, I studied in school. I was in Europe, studying mainland Europe, um, as we call it, and all the school paper is graph, or it certainly was where I was. Um, uh, so that's that's kind of uh, I guess it, it's a really tight graph. Yeah, well, I, I don't pay attention to it at all, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it is. It's uh, I, I've never really anything if it's dot grid or graph or anything. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, I should have said the Tomoe River uh, endless. I always get lined for my work uh, mm. books because that has to be more sensible. Um, but 
for notes that just goes whatever so it doesn't really matter um so those are my two for uh, i don't know if i'm allowed to say pens but um, <laughs> I, I am using a pen um because uh, they also are quite nice um i'm not a pen guy in any way um but i i recently picked up the extremely long named um Mont Blanc Meisterstruck Le Petit Prince Le Grand, um, which is a mouthful, um, <laughs> but it's really nice. Um, and it, as cheesy as it sounds, it reminds me of, of trips to Paris and being in uh, Shakespeare and Company and like everybody else, buying a copy of that book um, when you go there. That's a really good looking pen. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Um, you know, it has illustrations and uh, sort of sort of script lettering on the top from the book, um, mm. so it, it it's a nice one. Uh, and I, I'm I've put in Mont Blanc Royal Blue ink, um, not because it's matching Mont Blanc, but actually because I'm moving house and every other ink was packed away. Uh, so <laughs> that's the one that went into it. Uh, and then much more interestingly, uh, pencils are probably what you're more interested in hearing. Um, so I am using on my desk in a minute. I, I don't know about you guys, but I probably use about a centimeter of a pencil before using another one. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the chances of me ever getting to Steinbeck stage are usually nil. Um, but I'm at the minute I'm using this, uh, Tombow Mono 100, um, which has a blue cap and then a, a kind of pearlescent finish, like almost like the black wing pearl. Mm. Um, and Bob Truby's site, he's called it the fashion model. I don't know if he made that up, <laughs> um, but I'm happy to go with it because he's a good guy and he knows what he's talking about. Um, but it's really cool. Um, I have another one that looks like it, but it's got a pink or ready cap. I don't know where the box has gone, but it's somewhere. But at the minute, I'm using this blue cap one. Um, I don't know if you've come across it before. Um, I say it looks like a standard Mono 100, but slightly different. I don't think so. Hmm. Um, but it's a good yeah. one. Um, Bob's site says it's rare, um, but that was news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, again, I'll believe him if he says it's rare. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, then uh, I'm using one of these uh, black polymer, the 999 Alphas, um, which are great. Um, I got ahead of the curve on that one. I have now boxes and boxes of them. Um, I don't like to hoard, but I'll make an exception for for this particular <laughs> pencil. Um, one because it, I think it might might arguably be the best pencil ever made, um, but also two because the prices are going through the roof, and I don't want to spend the money um, that they cost these days trying to buy them. Uh, so I'm using one of those, and then. Uh, I've gone. The, the last pencil is a strange one, actually. It's um, it came in. A, I just sorry. I have to lift the box out here while I'm, I'm looking at it because it's easier to describe while I'm actually looking at the thing. So I have this um, folder of pencils that I got, and it's sort of a, a blue flip folder, uh, and it's from the Stadler factory, um, and it it's about twelve. Um, it's the factory tests. So um, when they are rolling all their 
their Norris or their Mars or whatever they're making off the, the production line, they have a, uh, a, a set that they benchmark all the pencils against to make sure that they're actually still, you know, so a 2B is supposed to be a 2B and it's supposed to be a Mars or whatever. So they, they test them against a set that they have found are, hmm. you know, in-house. Um, and, and they're now missing a set um, because I have it. Uh, so um, <laughs> uh, there are, I have a couple of sets actually that have, have set from 1985. Um, I, I want to know how you how you snuck in the factory to grab it. Was that just like a big <laughs> like like production, like James Bond esque? Just like <laughs> yeah. As far as I, I'm aware, they don't know what's missing. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but the one, so the one I'm using at the minute is the um, the 1959. Um, to be a test, so it's a completely natural barrel, and what they do is they they end dip about two centimeters of it in the paint finish, just to kind of remind themselves of what it's supposed to look like. Um, but then all, on the barrel on each of the sides, it has a lot of kind of code um, and lettering and things that obviously are relevant to them in house. Um, strangely, it looks like one of the sides is written in Comic Sans, which I don't believe is the case. You know, you shouldn't, you should never use Comic Sans, um, but they appear to have used it once. So I'm using that, uh, and when I get bored of that, uh, I'm going to move on to the the 1976 version, um, which uh, is completely natural, but actually has a, a a completely finished end cap which you don't see on pencils that often. Um, what I mean by that is there's there's no paint or um, lacquer finish on the end, but there's also no, you can't see the uh, graphite. So it's kind of curved um, and wooden end cap where they actually don't put the graphite all the way through the pencil, um, which is nice because it tends to mean that they've only made one or have some sort of fancy way of making it to cut it uh, like that. Uh, so that's that's me um, and what I'm using at the minute. It's uh, say it's sort of a strange batch of things. It's <laughs> yeah. an impressive lineup. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, I it, say that I I know some people on the group have random number generators and things for picking stuff. Uh, I I genuinely just go for whatever is in eyesight usually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is, so this is what <laughs> what we have um, at the moment. Nice. Do you want to talk about anything you've been um, reading or watching or listening to that sticks out? Oh, yeah, that's that's right. I forgot about all that stuff. Um, so TV, um, and actually the final episode is tonight, and my girlfriend is watching it without me, I think. Um, we are re-watching Broadchurch. Oh, nice. Hmm. Um, which is oh, so good. It's so good. Um, I feel she's in a bit. She'd never seen it, any of it. Um, so... She's, her experience is very different to mine because uh, obviously I, I've seen it before, but actually. Did you tell her it was just going to be a really cheery, <laughs> like, feel, feel good show? Well, that, that's it. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's uh, the fact that um, within the first five minutes, it's already more depressing than most TV has ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you, about this little coastal town. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> I, I was like, oh, moving, moving on from that. Uh, here, here we go. Um, so, <laughs> so we're watching that, um, and that's terrific. Uh, you know, I, I'm, 
I think we'll just go through all three um, series of that. Uh, I've been doing that. Uh, I've been trying um, my hardest to uh, work through the James Joyce books, um, which if I don't know if you guys have have read or attempted to read um, Joyce much, but I think um, you you have to uh, put in a bit of effort to try and actually yeah. get something out of it. <laughs> yeah, I've read I've read Dubliners. I really liked Dubliners, and I, and then a Portrait of the Artist. I read that, mm. but the other ones just kind of just kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Well, it, it it's good. It it has that um, you know, he obviously has this modernist way of writing um, and I, and I like Dubliners because the way he, the way he writes where he he sort of sets it up and it's this completely normal scene in a normal day. And then he just does all this weird modernist stuff that's supposed to be interpreted as why your life is actually not quite as simple as the scene he's setting. Um, <laughs> and it's really interesting. And he, he was, he was far too clever for his own good, which generally meant most people were irritated with him and didn't like his work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I'm building up to, to attacking Ulysses again, um, which is, is a big effort um, to actually get through. And the fact that you have to almost have read all of Hamlet and the Odyssey and all of Joyce's novels uh, before you, you read it, um, it's kind of got a barrier to entry as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying, I'm trying to work through those, but I'm in the middle of Dubliners at the minute and it's, it's much easier to read um, and very enjoyable. Uh, and then I'm going to um, read uh, Chekhov's Five Plays, um, which the books is called five place but it, that doesn't actually give a hint of what actually includes um uh, let me see here i can just load it up um, because i've for the life of me forgotten all the plays that are in it um, <laughs> i don't even know how many of there are <laughs> yeah. yesterday i was actually i got i was i was i've talked previously about the billy collins master class and i was watching that and he was talking about and he started talking about checkoff and i was like oh man i need to pick up checkoff again it's actually last night i was digging through boxes in my garage and found i have the it's the new translations of the stories the pevier translation of stories and then the uh i forget i forget what the collection's called but it's the same translator but it's called like great short novels or something like mm. that. I just pulled those out yesterday to put on the list. Once I read through all the stuff I have to read for school. <laughs> uh, so I've looked this up. Um, I'm in, in the minute I am, um, I've just been dipping into, if you ever read any of the um, Oxford university press copies, they always have a about 300 pages of introduction um, to these sort of classics. Uh, so I'm somewhere <laughs> in the middle of that. Um, so much so that I'd forgotten what plays actually were in it. Um, but we've got, <laughs> we've got things like, um, Three Sisters, uh, Uncle Vanya, which is the one that turned me on to the book. Um, that was actually in uh, the West End recently enough. Um, so I am going to attempt to do that if I can uh, work my way through uh, all the James Joyce stuff. But we'll see. I might have to take a break um, when I finish that. And I think that's, nice. that's everything on my list. Okay. Awesome. So who wants to go next? <laughs> <laughs> Follow that. Yeah. yeah, I'll go. Uh, I've been, as far as reading, I've been pretty wrapped up in rereading things for my new teaching gig. And so the, I just read Jurassic Park, like I talked about, because I'm teaching that with my 10th graders. And then my 12th grade is reading 1984. 
which is, you know, sort of a slog these days because there's nothing to relate to. <laughs> but um, use your imagination. It's, yeah, it's it's a it's it's quite a stretch. But um, as Alexa is sitting next to me right here, I muted it so she can't hear me, <laughs> even though she can still hear me. I'm pretty sure she can still hear me. Um, so yeah, I've been reading 1984 and some kind of stuff on the side for fun, but it's mostly been poetry. Uh, a lot of a lot of different poets. I've just been kind of like hopping from book to book. And as far as watching, besides baseball being back at least temporarily because <laughs> they just announced today that two games were canceled because of positive COVID tests, yeah. which means that the season's probably going to like shut down soon. Yeah. Uh, which would really break my heart. Cause I was so excited to see real baseball again, but I've been watching that. But then Jane and I just watched the documentary series, Lennox Hill on Netflix. Have you guys come across this? Yeah. It's about a hospital that is in Greenwich village, New York. And so it's like a eight or nine episode, like an hour per episode that follows the neurosurgery department, the ER and the OB uh, area, like the labor and delivery area. And it's, it's really, really excellent. Like a really impressive small hospital in New York city. And it, you get to actually like follow some patients as they're going through treatment for these like complex brain tumors that everyone else in the country is turning down. But this little like, hyper-skilled neurosurgery department is taking on. Um, it's, so it's, it's really impressive. It's kind of like, you know, if you guys watch the West wing, if you've watched the West wing, it, it's one of those shows where when you get to the end of an episode, you're like, I need to work harder. I need to do more. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> They're so productive and so eloquent. Yeah. But like you watch that show and I get to the end of it and I was like, man, they're like doing really good work and I need to do better work. <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of keep pushing myself. Cause it was like inspiring, but also like super interesting and just a well-made documentary as well. So um, I'd recommend it. Have you ever? And uh, oh, go ahead. No, it's just it just reminded me of that. Have you ever? I don't know if it's in America on t- American television, but there's. Uh, I think he's called the Super Vet or something like that. It's uh, certainly it's on British TV, uh, hmm. and it's the same idea. He, you know, you'll have a, a dog who has one leg um, and whose head has fallen off, and no other vet <laughs> can do anything. Yeah. And then he just makes Terminator animals. Um, uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's incredible he has he he is just the sort of the most advanced vet you've ever seen he does all this stuff that no one else in the world can do and his team and again you come out of that just being like i really should have studied harder um, these guys are oh yeah <laughs> you know, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll definitely check that out that sounds yeah i love that kind of stuff that just kind of gives you that <laughs> Johnny, you should bump, but also Johnny, you should check to like, see if that's on Britbox. Person, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, good idea. Um, yeah, and then uh, there's not much to say about these, but we like. I know Andy, you're a fan of these kind of things too, but just uh, food shows. And so we were we started watching the new season of Street Food, like mm. the Latin American Street Food, and then Taste the Nation on Hulu, which is kind of a similar idea. Yeah, but which are good. And uh, as far as music, uh, when I get really busy. Um, I tend to kind of like fall back into my comfort zone, which is listening to instrumental music, especially jazz. Uh, and so I've been spending most of my musical, like most of my listening time with the Ahmad Jamal trio station playing on Amazon. And that's been really wonderful. So I really love the old, like sixties Ahmad Jamal trio albums. Mm. 
It's good stuff. And uh, I am writing with a Blackwing Arrow, and I am using a uh, Moleskin 2 Go, T W O G O. <laughs> Not confusing at all. So I'm using one of those really great, great little notebook, handy. I like the size of it. Uh, what color? Good with pencil. So mine is like a navy blue, and it has a sort of goldish. It's, it's almost like a goldish green ribbon going wow. through. What are I, they? I don't. I picked don't it think up. I know them. It's a. It's. I think it's four, about four by six in in diameter. It has a cloth bound moleskin that is uh, lined on one side of the page and blank on the other side of the page. And hmm. the paper is a little little heavier, isn't it? Seems like it. Yeah, seems like it. But uh, I, I like it. I, I forgot I had it, and I was moving classrooms and found it in one of my drawers there, and so I busted it back out because I'm. It just it is just a really kind of perfect size, like between the the A five size and the pocket. I like yeah. it a lot. Awesome. So yeah, that's yeah. me. How about you, Andy? Um, what have I been doing lately? I've been. Uh, we finished the latest season of The Crown. Um, are they, um, Dave, are they showing the crown in, um, in the UK? Yes, they are. Um, okay. Yeah. I should hope so. <laughs> I would think so, but I mean, you know, people there know, know all this stuff already. That's it. We're, we're um, yeah, to find yeah. out what happens next. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no spoilers, Andy. Well, <laughs> I, I, I've been also just sort of like following along on Wikipedia, um, some of the timelines that they have there and they had, Basically, the the sort of split between um, Princess Margaret and um, her husband was like took place over the course of like like three four years, but they packed it all into one episode, um, just kind of neatly. So I've been kind of like following to see how they sort of like compress time. Mm-hmm. And I re- I really have to say, like Olivia Colman's just one of the most like talented actors out there. Oh like, yeah, like I she, yeah. she she has you know just like sort of a kind of a filthy mouth in real life and then she goes and she just like <laughs> just plays this just very kind of like stuffy proper um just queen <laughs> and she does such a good job um and yeah it's such a it's it's a really really good show um so yeah just finished that um and just finished a um a book by um it's called a Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, which is um, a sequel to a book called um, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing, <laughs> which is uh, written by Hank Green. Um, it's an American author. He He's the brother of John Green, who wrote, like, you know, The Fault in oh. Our Stars and Turtles All the Way Down. Um, oh. And so he's, oh, yeah, yeah th- this is this is definitely, like, kind of pop fiction. Like, it's about, it's, it's a little bit science fiction, but really mostly what it's about is sort of like, you know, how somebody becomes just like accidentally famous in the time of the internet. And it's, yeah, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good book. This one is a little bit more sci-fi-ish than the first one was. Um, and I am writing um, also with, I, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the Blackwing eras a little bit more in the next episode once Johnny gets his. Um, Blackwing's had a little bit of a shipping delay. So, um I I prefer because it's it's E R A S it's Blackwing Eras. I prefer yeah. to put a long A in that and call it the Blackwing Eras. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
as a baseball fan, I always want to say the Blackwing ERAs, <laughs> like earn, earn, earn run average, because it's in all caps. And so when I see ERA in all caps, I'm just like, earn run average. That's all I can see. Somebody's yeah. somebody's already uh, photoshopped in an a- A-B-L-A, A-B-L-E under the end of it, so it says Blackwing Erasable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, definitely. Happy, yeah. So any, anyhow, we'll, we'll be we'll be opining on that in the next episode a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot to say about that, but we won't all be on the same. Yeah, yeah, same uh, playing field there. Yeah, yeah and I'm I think mine are due in about three years. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. did you order yours straight from Blackwing, or are you getting yours from um, uh, from Nero, Nero's Notes? Normally, um, I like to give Nero's the money um, because I think they deserve it for what what they yeah. do. Um, yep. Uh, on this occasion, um, I had a friend in in America actually has has bought me them. Um, because at the time I wasn't sure if they were limited, not limited. What you know, yeah. what's going on? Have they made ten? From what I understand, they're not in any way limited. Um, and by limited, they probably mean you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah, so <laughs> right. They're, they're they're going to all distributors and all, all sellers. So you know, I think they'll just keep churning them out. So it turns out yeah. I probably could have waited for for Nero's, mm. but yeah, in in this occasion, I, I actually. Um, Friend yeah. picked them up for me. Understandable. Yeah, it's it's. I, I know that. I'm glad there'll be a lot of them because it, it seems like a really weird decision to make these. Yeah, like a limited run. Yeah, and you know these like, aren't going to be the only eras that they're going to release. Yeah, and and we. Gosh, Ooh, I, I, I don't want to get into yeah. all this. Right <laughs> Here now, we are. But like, <laughs> but, but like the one thing is, I'm like in love with them. I think they're amazing. The one thing is like why not put the year that this this version came out yeah. like as the number just give it a number because yep. what are they going to do when the next era comes out yeah. it's just going to does it just say blackwing eras on it again blackwing eras 2 <laughs> eras 2 yeah. return of the eras yeah. <laughs> <laughs> revenge of yeah. the eras yeah and i wonder and if they were sort of um just stepping lightly on the historical claims yeah since you know it's it's a tribute to the old one yeah, I've got and I've got some we can we definitely should say this for next time because I've got some pushback to that kind of line of thinking because like, I don't know, I just don't think of Blackwing as like a charity operation. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, like they they were like Everhart Faber effed it up and dropped the ball and stopped making them. So they're like, well, OK, we'll do it. You know, so I, I, don't, I have a little bit less of the like they really should pay more attention to the original source material of this. Cause it's like, who cares? <laughs> they I, I, abandoned I it. They abandoned agree. it. I, I've always yeah. felt that. um <laughs> So what, <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah. the only difference or the only similarities are they, they, they got the name, they registered it, and then they got someone who can make a feral that's pretty much the same shape. Yeah. That, yeah it's it. like if, it's like if, it's like if Michael Jordan just stopped making Jordans and everybody was like, that sucks. And then somebody was like, Hey, I'll make some Jordans, you know, like, and just start like making Jordan, some of these Jordan same make shoes so, so, so that people can have them. It's like, it's like, well, I think we're better off for having them. So I don't, don't think that, it's like, it's Michael Jordan's fault for stopping making them. I mean, that was stupid. Why did, why did you hold on to that? Yeah, And they didn't actually so, make yeah. that many original. They're Eberhard Faber. It wasn't really a, a line that, you know, they were really, it wasn't like this um, huge sale. I think the people who are using mm. black wings these days are probably, you know, a hundred times the, the people that are using it. So, Hmm. Yeah. You know, so so what? It's um, I get it. I get that people are protective of the the old brand, but they don't. I don't think Blackwing have to apologize about anything. It's, it's up to them. Or, 
Yeah. And I can even understand like the, just being, just being sensitive to like the making someone else's idea your own. I, I get that at the same time, but it's like, but if somebody abandoned it, it's not like Eberhard Weber is still out there making these things, you know? So I don't know, but so, so there's the segment. We'll just copy that into the next episode. <laughs> no, be great. It's just fine. <laughs> we'll talk about it again. We'll talk about it more. It's just, there's and, so much to say. Yeah. And I am writing with an Ampad gold fiber, uh, five by eight notebook. Awesome. Which is which this this extra firm uh, graphite uh, feels real great in because it's perfectly toothy. This this paper is. Johnny, how about you? Awesome. Um, so I recently read the second um, book of the Core Fruit trilogy because I've sort of spacing them out because they're really good, and then you know the show's finished, the books are finished because everyone's dead. So I read books. I'm sorry, Birds, Beasts, and Relatives, which is missing the Oxford comma in the title, which makes my lip twitch but uh, <laughs> i don't i don't i didn't look up how um how long it had been since i mean, between the two books but um it's sort of like not a different timeline it's the same timeline as the first book just these are some stories he didn't tell so this one was less natural history and more like crazy stuff his family did so it was a little more interesting and funny and uh hmm. it's interesting to see like how different people are like Sven was not a sexy goat herd. He was apparently this like big, really ugly dude that showed up for a little while and played accordion, but he was so <laughs> nice that people put up. <laughs> like, okay, that's not the same guy. But um, yeah, I also read uh, the Poetry Home Repair Manual by Ted Kuzer. Am I pronouncing that right? Kuzer, former poet laureate of the U.S. Um, like all his books. Have, I would say Kuzer. They have terrible covers and not very good titles, but they're really good. Like, I don't know. It's he, he, he strikes a good balance between not being condescending and not being crotchety. It's like, here are some reasons you probably don't want to do, you know, odd line breaks. Like if you want to, that's cool. But you know, this is what people are going to think. But, um, yeah, that's, if you're, if you want to step up your poetry game and not have to go get an MFA, it's definitely worth a read. And um, finally, I read. I finished the English game on um, Netflix about soccer. Did you guys catch any of that yet? No. It's by the dude who did. Um, oh my god, Downton Abbey. But um, it was really, you know, it was good. I got a little ham-fisted with um, the class stuff at a few points. And if the two leads were really that nice in real life, I would be so surprised, and it would change my view of humanity. But. You know, I guess you need something cheerful now to watch. So that was good. So I'm writing with a graphene lead US Co. It's an old pencil from the US Pencil Company that um, I put the link to brand new pencils minus the second from the top after the World War II. It's got a lot of print on it. It's really, really pretty yellow pencil with a really, really lovely feral that I think Abraham from the La Vie Graphite sent me a while ago. So, yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Notegeist, the online curated stationery shop for those who love eclectic, unusual, and much-beloved brands of stationery goods. But what about pencils? Does Notegeist have pencils? Nope. Just kidding, of course they have pencils. Gary Varner, the proprietor of Notegeist, has been working like a Christmas elf to bring in many more pencil varieties, going deep lately to stock quality Japanese pencils from Tombow and Mitsubishi. Here's just a snapshot of what they sell. 
They sell Black Wings in singles of most of the volume's editions, as well as dozens of recent releases. They also stock singles of collaborations like the TWA, the Cal Cedar, and the Diana. And yes, Gary will be stocking the new Blackwing era. There are nine varieties of Tombos in various grades, five varieties of Mitsubishis in various grades, and Gary offers two different samplers of a dozen Japanese pencils. They stock sharpeners, like the new Blackwing sharpeners and the Masterpiece and others, erasers from Blackwing, Coom, and Seed, plus storage boxes, cases, and many more pencil accessories. And of course, Note Guys has lots of great paper to use your pencils on, from Baron Fig, Blackwing, Dapper Notes, Field Notes, Log and Jotter, Word, Write Notepads and Company, UPG, and others. As a listener of Erasable, you can get 10% off pencils, sharpeners, erasers, and pencil accessories if you use the code ERASABLE146. And if you spend at least 30 bucks, you'll get a free random Unemployed Philosopher's Guild quotable note card. These whimsical die-cut personality cards with notables such as Poe, Thoreau, Jane Austen, Alfred Hitchcock, Dalek, Spock, and many others are perfect to brighten someone's day with a little snail mail love. Notegeist.com your online source for great prices, eclectic stationary goods, hard-to-find black wings and field notes, and now Japanese pencils. Remember the code, Erasable146, good for 10% off pencilness and a free, fun UPG card with orders over $30. Code and freebie are good only through August 5th. So thanks again to Notegeist for sponsoring tonight's episode, and now we can move on to the main topic, which is... Vintage Pencil Fodder with Dave Tubman. Yay! So, thanks again for joining us so late. I think it's like, what, 11.30 your time? Uh, right at night? Yeah, it's just turning 11.30 now. Wow. So, for those of us, I mean, those out there listening who aren't in our Facebook group, where you're super active and post a lot of sexy pencil pictures all the time, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, like Dave Tubman, not just online Dave Tubman? Yeah, of course. Um, so... I am one of the, it, it's quite a few of us, uh, European um, Erasable members uh, who are actually quite active. Um, yeah. Uh, I live in London, um, but you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not born and bred in London. Uh, I was actually born in Northern Ireland, uh, and then uh, I moved to London for work, um, but I went uh, via Germany and Switzerland um, for various stages of my master's. Uh, so I've been in London for, I don't know how many years now, uh, and some <laughs> plenty. Um, and uh, I work in what's re- referred to as the city of London with a capital C, um, as opposed hmm. to the phrase the city of London. Uh, and that is uh, the, the equivalent of your... Um, financial districts in New York, like a Wall Street um, style. Hmm. Uh, so I, I am a disputes lawyer. Um, so I, I do litigation um, mainly um, for fairly messy, large-scale corporate disputes. Do you get to wear a powdered wig? No, no. So <laughs> unfortunately not. Um, for, for two reasons, really. Um, one, because in the UK, un, unlike... Uh, in America, um, the way the system works is um, you have the, the, the joint, the barristers and solicitors are joint so that you um, do your own advocacy even 
so, mm. so, so you you know you take on the case and then you actually go and you do your own advocacy uh in the uk um they basically decided that you physically can't um it you can't you can't be good enough to do both um yeah. of at any level that they think you should be able to um you should be able to focus doing the solicitor side or you should be able to do the advocacy side so what we do, what I do, I'm on the solicitor side. I, I prepare everything. Um, I I spend years fighting it, uh, and then we get uh, counsel or a barrister, as they get called, to um, stand up and, and read the bits. Uh, yeah, that, that read, the bits. read the bits. Read the bits. They you know go off and they research and they do all their case law researching um, and all the bits and pieces that that they're very good at, um, uh, and and we do the rest. Uh, so it's a it's um, a job that takes up an awful lot of my time, um, which is why pencils are a good hobby because they actually don't require any time whatsoever. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, you you can be an expert in about two minutes, yeah. um, and there's no practice required, and you don't need to walk them or anything. So it's um, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty easy. Um, Wait, you don't walk your pencils? <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> don't they get restless? <laughs> I haven't got that insane just yet. But, uh, <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> well, well, we'll get you there. Um, how did you? How did you become interested in stationery and pencils in particular in the first place? Um, you know what? It's there isn't even a good story to this. Um, but like most people, I always loved back to school. I thought that was the best part of primary school. You know, um, getting. I would start getting excited in summer, the summer break, when you knew that you were going to go and find the bits and p- that you were going to put in your pencil case. Um, and for me, it was always yikes. Um, like mm-hmm. they were just, <laughs> you know, you've got everything else and then you've yikes. And I still stand by that. That that yeah. still is actually true. Um, and it was in particular, it was the, the yikes treads. I think they were threads, either treads or threads. Um, the, the kind of black and silver yeah ones with the black um, the really sharp ridges yeah and I, those ones are the best um, and yeah. they were, were like you had those there was the knuckleheads and the triangles and all the other ones yeah. but they they all sucked compared to the silver <laughs> the treads yeah. if you had those that they were it now, now being in the uk did you have did you have the fountain pen no the um, they had my curly no, has one of those and i'm so jealous wow I uh, I would like one of those. Um, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they are. It's easier for you to to pick up a set of Blackwing six hundred twos than it would be to find yeah a a, a good set of of yikes. Like it, it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, certainly to the to the le- level that I would want them. If you're looking kind of a collecting set or something like that, it's it's almost non-existent. And usually, I think it's because. You know, seven-year-olds were using them, and not, you know, twenty-five-year-olds who were looking after these expensive pencils <laughs> in, in university or design. It was just some kids who, you know, I can still remember I getting a set um, and snapping them all in half straight away so that I would have twice <laughs> as many um, <laughs> because they were terribly made, um, like just just awful, um, and you could actually just snap them without trying, and they because of the ridges they would just break. Um, yeah. So, because of that, I think they're incredibly hard to find. Uh, so I got into those. Then I didn't think about pencils again. Um, 
for most of my adult life. Uh, I certainly didn't think of them of any of anything that I'd want to actually have a lot of. Um, and then I remember seeing a couple of different ones that really interested me. Um, I came across this pencil, and it's the only one I've got of it, and I still have it because it sort of has a personal significance to me now. Um, it was this uh, brand, one called it a deer brand. Um, I think they were made in China, so probably not very good, but um, they actually look like cedar to me. It looks like a, a, a 60s or 70s pencil, um, and it was yellow. It had um, gold lettering but almost the entire length of the barrel uh, a, a standard barrel and a, a pink eraser and i remember just thinking to myself this isn't a, a norris you know like 99 percent of the pencils you see um are still or norris or i guess ticonderogas in the us but i'm just being really interested that someone actually had taken the time to do something better than just make a norris um, so i i looked at those and i decided that it might be interesting to see what else was out there uh, and I remember googling around and just saying well let's just buy like you know whatever the best one is it's a blood like the pencil it, it can't cost more than like I don't know 10, 10 pence no, who cares you know it uh, I can yeah. probably buy the best one for nothing uh, and so I came across the mono 100s um, which was quite a jump then to go from this you know stubby uh, dear brand <laughs> half pencil so I just thought I'll, you know what I'll order 12 mono 100s they will probably last my lifetime uh, and I will never need to buy any other pencils again because I've bought the best one <laughs> famous and words. terrific so that was great um, <laughs> and, and then as I was online buying those the 24 was released and uh, and I remember going, hey, that's that's kind of cool. Um, that's got an interesting ferrule. Um, it's they've come up with this backstory with you know Steinbeck and all. And I'm not sure I, I care, but uh, the pencil looks really good. Um, so maybe I'll get some of those. And I remember at the time, you certainly weren't buying them in in the UK. Um, they just it wasn't happening at that point. Um, so I ordered some, and then I was left with 24 um, pencils, um, <laughs> which, which seemed completely strange. Um, and then at that point, I guess I um, I think I considered myself a collector at that point because I didn't think that anybody would be stupid enough to have 24 pencils um, of two varieties. So that just seems crazy. Um, and I started looking around for you know maybe there are other other people who like this kind of thing uh and that brought me to i think the erasable podcast possibly first rather than the group hmm. um i think um uh and one of the first things i listened to actually had tj on um, oh, yeah. and I, I remember just being like oh for goodness sake there's actually two northern irish people who are interested in this <laughs> and so, like what what is going on here this is just so strange um and then from there um i guess it probably ramped up a bit um because i i have been packing pencils for days 
um, to move house. (laughs) 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 Uh, And and so there are quite a few more. Um, And uh, yeah, and so that's where we are now. It's uh, I always I remember when I when I started it, I thought to myself, you know what, let's not bother with let's not bother with vintage or advertising or any of that. Let's just get some of the modern ones and that'll do. Uh, and I, I don't want to get too caught up with all the different brands and varieties. I'll just get a couple. Uh, and then that obviously fell by the wayside and I started looking into a couple of vintage pencils uh, and and now we're here. <laughs> And and here we are. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and here yeah. we are. <laughs> so um, the general format of pencils, you know, just being a piece of lead stuck in a wooden sandwich hasn't changed a lot. But, um, you know, it's – I don't think people are really clear on what is vintage, like just not made anymore, you know, a certain period. So when you, you think of vintage pencils, um, what do you mean date-wise or age-wise? Um. You know, I, I think it can be anything, really. Um, people could argue that, you know, the last volume is essentially vintage. Um, oh, it, you can't get it. Um, I don't agree with that, um, but uh, I, I could see the arguments for it. Um, for me, it's um, – I don't think I just collect vintage pencils. Um, I just collect pencils that are interesting to me. Um it just so happens that most of those pencils are sort of eighteen seventy onwards, um, <laughs> rather rather than twenty twenty, um, and uh, so yeah, it, uh, you know I I know that certainly in the if you ever um, look on the uh, vintage pen groups on uh, the on Facebook, uh, and they are crazy for you know is this vintage is this antique and they have all these stupid fights about what kind of dates it should be or um you know a particular rule that you have to follow but for me it it doesn't it's um it's uh, it it can be anything you like um i know that obviously some people uh really go after the, the japanese stuff um and and they can be quite easy to tell what is and isn't available now because they they clearly change things as as they go along uh and then America is very easy for vintage because most of the pencil companies don't exist anymore. <laughs> so you know that, that's very easy to to find. Uh, and then the British stuff and the European stuff, which is really where I'm primarily interested in, um, it just goes back so far, um, and there's so much has happened um, that vintage can literally be well over a hundred years worth of worth of history, right up to. Um, I guess when, when, for me, when Stadler closed their UK operation, um, which I can't remember exactly when that was. I think it was 08, possibly. Um, I guess anything for me after that might be, I'd be less inclined to call it vintage. 2008 or 1908? 2008. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about right. So, so you say that, like, you know, you, you're kind of going after what's interesting to you and that that's kind of what is interesting to you. Um, why, why is that interesting to you? Like what, what about it really, you know, uh, strikes your fancy? Um, I think a lot of it is to be, I, I once heard something along the lines of that. Um, do 
deep down all lawyers want to be uh, historians um, but essentially they just they just realized they'd also like to earn more money um so <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's no disrespect to historians i would love to be one uh, but I, i'm fascinated by history I, I think it's incredible um and when you look at um the development of industrialization even or something like that pencils played a lot as it goes through and they're so um they were sort of there during all the th- stages you know they were actually in people's hands when these things were happening um you know someone drew the titanic with a pencil um it's it's an easy way for you to start looking into history um yeah and so you know i like that kind of thing i if you've you've seen on my blog um as it turns out people actually read it according to wordpress um (laughs) (laughs) which is surprising but uh I, I also have interests in things like the great exhibitions that were happening around um, the world. Actually, it started in, in the UK, but they were going around the world. Um, I know all this yeah. sort of Victorian history that it just seems so um, so near but so far. Um, you know, we've, we've come an awful long way um, in well, how many hundred years is it now? <laughs> um, and I, I guess it's just um, it's just trying to find the backstories for these things, not in... In the way that, for example, um, I'm not overly interested in advertising pencils history and the company that it's advertising or something like that. I know that um, Chris's blog, I think, is on a hiatus. And they did a great job of of that side of um, of things. Um, for me, it's more the uh, the history of the actual companies and, and what was going on. Um, like I've got, I have some posts and draft at the minute. Um, on the blog uh, and there's two that stood out for me these are just tidbits from the post so they're not giving the whole post away but i i saw this um argument going on um between uh, so when hardmouth were in the uk they they were moving around quite a bit because they they landed in and started making pencils um and then world war one kicked in um and they were austrian and that did not sit well uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, it turns out that that was a really bad thing. Um, yeah, uh, and so you had all the, these these fights going on, and I remember I saw these newspaper clippings where um, the company Thomas Delarue, uh, who I think they they make banknotes, they may actually still make banknotes, but uh, they were the distributor for uh, Onoto pens at the time, uh, whereas Hardmouth were actually a distributor for Waterman pens. Uh, and they ended up having this fight in the newspapers where uh, essentially Delarue were, were saying that uh, Hardmouth were essentially funding the war for for the, <laughs> for the enemy. And if you, if you buy a Hardmouth pencil or you buy a waterman pen you're putting money in the pocket of of the enemy and it's a disgrace uh, and the the thing was they they were these open letters um were purely just advertisements they were trying to get you to buy their pen because the waterman was was their main competitor <laughs> um, and and it, it makes me laugh when you look at it because thomas de la rue were obviously making pencils as well and and through all these open letters they they were arguing that you know you you can't trust um these austrians they're we're going to war with them we, sh- we shouldn't shouldn't uh, be giving money out we should be buying only british and and all this kind of, of stuff 
but I actually have some Delarue pencils that say made in Bavaria in them on them. And and so they were they weren't even making their own pencils in. Um yeah, and but yeah. So it's a yeah, it's just a for me it's it reminds it's me of yeah, it reminds me of some of the um what Eberhard Faber in the U.S. faced during World War II with that with that very German name, you know, they had a lot of like these are made in America by Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, which one? Uh, one of the companies was taken over by the U.S. government during the war, and I think they didn't give it back. I might be wrong. Oh, it sounds like something we would do. <laughs> USA it certainly happened. It certainly happened in the UK as well. Like Hardmouth, for example. Um, it got this um, beautiful building, and it, it's actually about ten minutes away walk from my house. It was Koinor House, and it's oh, absolutely yeah. beautiful. Um, and they got it as this new uh, flagship store that they would sell pencils and um, uh, their their Waterman pens and everything from. And then they got kicked out of it, and and it was taken away from them um, during the war because they weren't allowed. Uh, and they were only actually allowed back a number of years later, and they had to go in through Scotland. Uh, and then they set up, and they set up uh, a branch in Scotland. I think it was in Edinburgh, uh, and then eventually sort of creeped back in. But they never <laughs> got this lovely building back. They actually, I think it must have been rather sad for them. They got a building about five doors down, uh, and so they would always see this beautiful building, but they were, they didn't actually spend much time Aww. in it. <laughs> it's tragic. It, yeah, it really is. Hmm. So what are some of your um, favorite vintage pencils that you have? And if you want to reveal your secret, what are some that you're looking for? Um, okay, so one of my favorites. Um, well, let me have a look here. I, I don't really have too many things that I would be like, this is this is an absolute must for me. Apart from those yikes treads, those are, those are <laughs> some of my favorites. Yeah. Let me just see. I, I have these drawers that I haven't cleaned out yet, so I just see what's in those. Um, oh, I have these. I have some polygrades. Those are cool. Um, they're the you've probably seen them. I have two boxes here, and um, so I've got the Faber one, and then I have a the Hogarth and Hayes one, which I think I did put that one on the group once. It, they're um, uh, pre Cumberland Cumberlands, so I don't know how much pencil history. You guys know, I'm sure, plenty, but uh, Cumberland pencils were arguably some of some of the finest back when pencils were sort of starting out in the UK. Um, yeah, graphite they, was discovered in Cumberland. At, at Borrowdale, yeah, they had this Borrowdale yeah. mine in, in Keswick, uh, and so Cumberland. Um, a lot of uh, pencil manufacturers started in that area, uh, and Hogarth and Hayes um, were one of the very early ones, uh, and I, I came across. Um, this box of, of polygrade um, pencils that all have the, the square core uh, and it's a, sort of a two-part pencil where they actually sandwich the two pieces together. Um, and so those are, for me, those are really, they're kind of a, a jewel in my collection because you will not find another set in a hurry. Um, hmm. I, they, they were, I actually got them on eBay, um, which was a near miracle because that's kind of, side of collecting doesn't happen on ebay very often yeah um and the beauty was um it wasn't labeled well at all um it was you know someone who had just found some pencils that 
a grandmother had or something and it just put them up as pencils my grandmother had um so uh, <laughs> uh, so i jumped on that um because i could see what they were <laughs> um in fact actually i think i wrote about these if i should know because it is my own blog um but uh, it's hard uh, to keep track well I, I've, only, I've only written about 12 posts but yes i have actually so there is a set on um on my blog there's a a post about these polygrades um so they're, they're quite good um i have some uh of the faber polygrades as well you've probably seen those ones before yeah um everybody is more likely have seen those ones um they've, they've started getting crazy prices for them um hmm. yeah, i've I, i've never um i should say I've, I've never sold any pencils um for money um i, I just i don't really uh agree with it in a way or um i don't really uh, want to get into that um i just uh, i don't think these things were ever supposed to be very expensive uh, so I, I don't really like the the after sale market of pencils and i think um we could all do our best not to get suckered into it um <laughs> and so uh, yeah I, I, I don't sell i think i'd rather just um work out a trade with someone or just or just give them the pencil if they really can't find it um, not that I'm going to give anybody one of these polygrades, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I could give them something else if they really wanted. Um, so some... Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask ask the next question, but if you have if you have more, I'm happy to stay on topic. Uh, yeah, well, I guess I, I'm pro- I've been rambling. I've probably forgotten what oh. the question was. Um, it, it was <laughs> right. to do with favorites, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I. I guess jumping away from the, the kind of British and European stuff, I've always loved the the pen tiles. Um, mm. you know, most people, certainly on our group, jumped into pen t- or interested in pen tiles once it was too late. Um, yeah. Whereas you've got your Mitsubishi's and you've got your Tombos, and you can get them and it's fine. Um, and actually, to be perfectly honest, a, a vintage Mono 100 writes exactly the same as a modern-day Mono 100, um, hmm. no matter what anybody says. So it, it really doesn't make any sense to collect old Mono 100s that aren't a different co- you know, barrel color. They're, they'll be the same. Uh, but with the pen tells they're gone, um, which instantly makes them collectible. And yeah. certainly to me, as, as soon as you tell me that it's gone, I want it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I guess, you know, the, the 999 series um, in all the shapes and forms um, I've always thought are just a spectacularly good pencil. So not only are they collectible because they don't exist, but they actually are are better than nearly everything else, um, largely because of the um, polymer core that they used. Um, so, you know, they, they basically just designed a, a thick version of their mechanical pencil lead and shoved it into a wood core. <laughs> or oh, sorry, I would um, body and said, there you go. But what it means you can do is if you use something like a, an El Casco or uh, I'm trying to think of another concave sharpener that actually works. Uh, I don't think there is one actually. Um, uh, but if you, if you, you do that um, with this polymer lead, you can actually lean extremely hard on them. Um, they just will not break on a needle point. Hmm. Uh, and I find that all these long point sharpeners that everybody uses at the minute, they sort of are largely pointless. Um, not to be too um, punny with that, but <laughs> they, they really are because all you do is you snap the, the first 
you know, a couple of mil off the off the lead straight away, um, unless you are extremely delicate, um, which most people aren't um, because it's pencil. Uh, yeah. But with these polymer pencils, you can you can do all that, and it's re- it's really quite good. Um, and I've I had a particular liking for the the Craft Design Technology Seventeen pencil, which was oh, a was Pentel pretty. 999 um, that just had a new. They basically Craft Design Technologyed, um, so they just gave it the kind of mint green um, yeah. finish, um, and those got then replaced by the the camel ones once Pentel gave up essentially. Um, and and they uh, those are those are a good one. They would be one of my. I always like to keep one on the desk as kind of a daily writer. Um, I I definitely stocked up on those. I don't like to to hoard anything, but I, I stocked up on those ones when they were out. Yeah. So some of these pencils that you post um, look like museum pieces and must be pretty rare. Um, do you do you use your vintage stock, or are you are you collecting or displaying or storing? What do you what do you do with them once you acquire them? Uh, you know what? I don't really know. I take up space in my house. Um, <laughs> Me too. The tent is probably their main role. Um, I'll, I'll use anything, um, with a few exceptions. In that, if if I only have one, uh, and it's it's not sharpened, I'll not use it. Um, if I was to get a second one later on down the line, then that's fine. I'll use it. But, um. I don't necessarily agree with this. Pencils are to be used. Um, they were, but they yeah. maybe aren't now. Um, you know, that's it's just not the way things change. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't think that these pencils, from, certainly from nine, early nine, you know, nineteen oh one, nineteen oh two, that kind of time. I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying, "Well, it's just a pencil. You should just use it. It's there to be used." Yeah, context actually, changes for sure. Yeah, it's not. The context has changed. There's no stopping you, but there's the reason I have it is not because I need a pencil. If I if I needed a pencil, I'd just lift a Norris. Um, you yeah. know, it, there's no no reason to do that. Um, but I'll, I'll pretty much use anything. Um, actually, it was quite nice with that that Hogarth and Hayes Polygrid set. It it came with two HBs, uh, and the original user had actually sharpened one hmm. so i was able to to use one um and i think the set is, is borrowed graphite actually um so it was nice to kind of use that very historical piece and actually the whole the rest of the set is intact um wow so that that was cool um but other yeah. than that yeah I'll, I'll use i'll use pretty much anything um i certainly don't have anything that is um too precious other than like you say, there are there are pieces that are that are old and that are probably more a display item. Um, I, I I do have this um, kind of infamous to myself the uh, the pencil room, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is as I'm the only person who goes into it. It's it's largely irrelevant to the conversation, but um, they they are all in there, um, and they they were. I, I have this endless battle with how to display pencils because there really isn't a good way to display pencils. It, there might be a good way to display 10, yeah. um, but there really isn't a great way to display the amount of pencils that I assume that the three of us have. <laughs> uh, it it yeah. just becomes ridiculous. Um, 
but but I do um so I I, the, I guess explaining how the pencil room is set up um it has uh I can't remember the brand name it there's this company that makes little filing cabinets um that have one two three four five, six seven drawers in them uh, and they kind of a metal it's of some famous company I, I want to say Kirby but I don't think that's right um so I have a lot of those uh, and they basically store all my boxes dozen boxes uh, so they they all get kept in there um, so if I if I open the one that I'm sitting beside this is the first drawer of that so everything in here is is not in any way organized uh, so <laughs> I have got on the top here this is a box of 1937 Stadler Mars um, anniversary editions then I have a box of black polymers um, I have a box of 602s uh, the the actual ones uh, and then I have what looks like about 10 or 15 boxes of those train square pencils oh, cool. um, oh, so wow. there that, that's just sort of dumped in that drawer and then in the next drawer here it, let's see what's in here um, we have got two boxes of Pentel Tufts. I'm, I'm just saying what's on the, the top here. Each of these drawers have about four layers of, of boxes in them. Um, looks like a box of Royal Sovereigns. I have. Oh, these were cool. This is, um, did you see, it was probably a couple of years ago, Tombow did an anniversary edition where they recreated their um, hop made pencils. So it was it was kind of nice. They're actually exactly the same as as the normal ones, but with very little um, difference. But it was kind of a nice collector set. So that's I've got one of those in there. Um, then one of these a Mitsubishi thirty six ninety. I have no idea what those are. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> these look like and they say master writing. They're like the ninety eight fifty fifty twos. Fifty two. Fifty is the yellow one. Is that right? Um, so they look exactly like that, only they just say thirty six ninety instead. Um, oh, weird! Yeah, they oh. are weird. Um, they've got the little JIS logo on them, so they're a little older. Um, yeah, what's in there? So that you know, it's just sort of whatever, whatever's <laughs> next. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that that just carries on. Um, then this is a graph from Faber Castell drawer, it would appear. Um, I like those stuff, so I have a lot of their pencils. Um, so that's in that. Then, um, so th those cabinets exist. Then I have these drawers um, on a desk. Um, I once put up a picture of one of the sets of drawers on the on the group actually. Um, and the way those work uh, is, they would be kind of they're like A4 paper drawers, um, and they come in sets of say ten. So speaking of drawers and pencil surrounding gear um there's a lot of older pencil um sharpeners and accessories and storage items that don't exist anymore um what are some of those that you have um or that you just think are really really awesome um the only one that i don't have that i'd like to have uh, is one of those ridiculous jupiter sharpeners oh those are cool um, <laughs> Which, which which are completely ridiculous um but are very clever in that they will sharpen any pencil um regardless of the the barrel shape or the thickness or anything um they're not picky they will they will do anything 
Um, but And I do see them come up, um, but they have a tendency to, there's a little shavings drawer or a shavings bowl um, that was sort of a detachable piece. And most of them don't have that anymore. It seems to get lost. So it really wouldn't feel like I'd bought the right one until until I had that. Uh, and then there is a Stetler made a draftsman sharpener. Um, I'm not even sure when, a long time ago. Uh, it's sort of a Bakelite desktop sharpener. Um, and actually, Ed from the group has one, and I've used his, um, and I'm extremely jealous of it. Um, Ed Beganall? Yes. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, I've um, I've been lucky enough to actually go around to, to his and have a dip into his collection. Um, and it, it's it's really got some impressive stuff stuff in there, um, <laughs> stuff that you just would not see anywhere else, I, I'm sure of it. Uh, but he has one of these draftsman sharpeners. Uh, and the way it worked was it would um, – it was sort of a, a, a two-step sharpener in desktop form you, in one movement. Um, and so what it would do is it would um, – it would start cutting away the wood first uh, using the crank. And so you can actually have these, you know, inch long flat tipped um, points that you just, there is no other sharpener on the market at all that will do this. That it, it does the equivalent of um, if you were to get a masterpiece and take the stop off the end and just use the single, the first hole, mm. mm-hmm. um, it would do this with a crank sharpener. Um, but in a very um, nice finished way. Uh, so I'd like to get one of those, um, but they never come up. Uh, I saw one come up that was essentially it looked like a car had run over it. <laughs> um, it was just the Bakelite was smashed to pieces, and that still made good money um, on eBay. So uh, to get a really nice uh, quality one, it's very hard. Um, but yeah, so I'd, I'd like to get one of those. Um, other than that, there's, you know, I, I'm not really that um, picky about accessories. I I don't go in for point guards. Um, I never really have. I, I don't see the point. Um, they. Uh. I know. I, I got to keep doing that. It must be the most overused, unintentional pun <laughs> on this. Um, but for me, I. It doesn't really bother me because. Um, I just I just throw pencils into my bag, um, most of the time when I'm going somewhere, um, and if the point breaks, well, then I'll just I'll sharpen it again, um, and I'll not worry too much. Uh, and then I I don't like putting things in my pockets. Um, I kind of I just don't see why I w- I would put a notebook or a pen or a pencil or anything in my pockets. Um, I, I really hate it. I, I think it it just always feels so bulky and you just have these strange like lumps sticking out of your legs when you have things in pockets. <laughs> um, so um, I get that, you know, the point protectors are handy because you don't stab yourself, but for me, they, they just have no, no use. Um, I did, uh, I'm about to contradict myself, um, but I did go in with Ed actually, and we bought about 50 point protectors recently. Um and the only reason we bought them was uh, they were very old, kind of brass-looking ones, and they were they came um, from 
the first run of, of Conte um, oh, wow. pencils um, when Conte was using the, the Crown logo. So sort of eight, 1850 onwards to sort of 1900. Um, and we, we spotted a... Uh, it was a listing on, I think, possibly French eBay that someone had these um, attached to little pencils and, and we bought the whole lot um, and split them and then actually ended up throwing all the pencils away and just <laughs> keeping the uh, keeping the little point protectors. But So those are quite nice because um, a lot of a lot of vintage pencils may have originally come with a, a point protector and if you can find one that's... Um, of similar age or, or linked to the brand, it's quite nice to sort of, you know, marry that back up again. Um, but I certainly wouldn't use them for actually using them. Uh, and then I, I guess there are some, I'm interested in some of the old catalog products that never really, um, you know, you don't see these kind of things anymore. I think they're probably just too expensive to make. Um, people wouldn't want to buy them. So you'll see uh, on, some of the old Faber catalogs, uh, certainly some of the Hardmuths as well, where you might have had a, a very nice boxed set, which also came with a, a paper knife or something like that for a raising with a knife, hmm. um, which I've never really understood how that works. I think you just scrape the paper yeah. away. Um, but they came in nice sets. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these uh, manufacturers, they had a sort of a, a fancy goods division um, rather than just, you know, making it for, for draftsmen or making it for, for artists. Uh, and so they really, they really got into the kind of desk object side of things, uh, which I think like Graf von Faber-Castell are really the only people doing this still. Um, no one else is really making something that I would think is fancy enough that that kind of counts like that. Um, so it would be nice to get those, but it's, it's really purely because it's so difficult to get them. Uh, you know, it's this is this is really the whole point of, of collecting as well, isn't it? Um, it's trying to find. You know, the point of collecting is not about having the collection. Um, you know, I, I hope to never have everything I want um, yeah. because I think as soon as you as soon as you do that, you know, what's the point? Um, it's really why I guess I don't like the idea of. of and I, I appreciate I'm, I've just gone way off topic here, but um, I, um, I carry on if you're happy enough for me to do so. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't agree with, with buying a collection. Um, yeah, that's that's weird. Really weird. I think it's weird. Um, you know, I and I, I don't want to be I don't want to be too mean to say the modern black wings, but they're a perfect example of where this happens a lot, where someone gets interested in pencils someone they get interested in black wings and then they complete their collection within 24 hours while being on the internet <laughs> yeah and if, if you throw enough money at it yeah if, if, if you yeah. want to throw enough money at it you can have them um but i don't i don't think that's that's the point i, th- I think modern pencils these days should be collected by generations in 50 or 100 years time you know i think we're supposed to collect the stuff that was 100 years ago um so I just think, you know, so what? That's why I, I, I don't really collect modern pencils at all. Um, they just they just don't appeal to me anymore. Um, and that's not to say they, they didn't. They did. Um, but they just they don't anymore. Um, 
actually, interestingly enough, this I was I was watching a movie sometime this week. I've, I've really forgotten what day it is, but um, and it was uh, they talked about Johnny. You might know this kind of stuff. It was uh, Lacan's fantasy theory. Oh, I don't know if you ever came no. across this one. Um, and it it said this basically without getting too like into Freudian fantasy theory, which <laughs> it, it's quite linked to. So I think that's a different podcast, but. Um, and it was essentially saying about how um when you're trying to collect things or when you're doing things it's to do with them i actually have the quote here because i thought it was really cool i'd written it down and it said in order to continue to exist desire must have its objects perpetually absent Hmm. and it's not the it you want it's the fantasy of it and I, Hmm. i think that applies to collecting you know, yeah. it's, it's about always on the hunt to try and find these things because it's thoroughly underwhelming when you find it. Um, <laughs> then you're just like, now what? Absolutely. You know, you, yeah. you find the, the best thing you've ever wanted and then you've got it. And then it's not really, it's not a big deal anymore. Um, and so, you know, that's why I kind of hope to never stop collecting because I think if you do that, then you, you've missed the point somewhat. That's a, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's, that's a really good, um, I guess advice to to collectors, right? Like pace yourself and like, you know, the the thrill of the hunt is kind of like often, you know, more important than than like the what is it? The the journey is more important than than the destination is that a Absolutely. way to paraphrase that maybe? Yeah. I think so. Um I think uh you know, we we've I, I'm, I'm certain I've fallen into many of the, the traps. Um, I'm sure you guys have done the same, whether or not you count them as traps or not is, is open, open for discussion. But, uh, you know, I think I think people realize how cheap these things are, certainly the stuff that's available at the minute, um, yeah. and they instantly go and buy every single thing they can see on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Followed quickly <laughs> by every single um, Indian-made pencil they can find because they just go, these cost $5. I'm yeah. buying 50 boxes. Um, and then what, you know, it, then they end up in a cupboard because you don't use these anymore because they're not that cool. You know, you want to use the kind of nice new things and the, they don't have that much value. They are good pencils, but they're not great. Yeah. Um, and so you end up like, you know, what am I going to do with 96 Ticonderogas? I'm not going to use them. Good question. And you go, well, you know, Johnny asks himself that every day. Exactly. And, you know, (laughs) you say, well, they were cheap, so I bought them. I was like, well, how does that work? It it would have been cheaper not to buy them. It's not not a good reason. Um, You know, uh, I just think um, if you were starting out, I think people waste a lot of money at the start buying stuff that they probably, it was just the excitement of getting wrapped up and starting a collection. Mm -hmm. Or in in hindsight, I certainly would have... um, maybe sat back and thought about what it is I want to, what I want to get. <laughs> you know, I have, I have boxes upon boxes in, in a cupboard um, of all the Indian pencils and all the modern day Tombos and all the, that kind of stuff. And I don't think I'll use any of them ever again, <laughs> um, let alone even take them out of the, the big plastic bucket that they're in. It's, it's pointless. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a difficult one. I, I sometimes, I don't know if you ever get this impression, I sometimes feel that the word collecting or collector gets a 
it's like a, a bad word in the group sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't want to admit that they're a collector when actually every single person on there is a collector, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times it's like the hoarder, right? The people who are just like, yeah, like you say, getting as many as they can right now. It's <laughs> kind of stemming the tide for for other people trying to get them yeah i you know i i've um in terms of hoarding uh, you know there obviously is a, a definitely a difference between hoarding and collecting yeah they always say it's to do with um what you do with the things so it, it has more of a, a logic behind collecting than hoarding um yeah i personally try to not buy more than one or two boxes of any pencil yeah. Ever, even if they're available, um, because, well, I, I don't, I don't need them. Um, I'm not going to sell them, so there's, there's no um, financial incentive for me to try and flip. You know, oh, good, I've got, you know, I bought 50 boxes of of two elevens. So I'll just try and flip them. <laughs> like there's no, I don't have that. Um, so I, I don't really. I think that kind of hoarding idea is. Um, you know, it, it's personal to people that they do it because there's something, there's something inside them that makes them do it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, to me, it doesn't. It's not really a, co- a collection, but they are still, they are collecting in a, in a strange way. Yeah. Uh, and then you know you also have the, uh, I guess the hybrid guys who are de- or who are doing a, f- a money making business really, where they're you know they're they're flipping them even just to pay off for the ones they want or um, to try and kind of you know make a tidy profit on these things, which are, are yeah. getting silly prices. I've I see that a lot in field nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I left that group a long time ago um, <laughs> when I realized that it was just, you know, people trying to outdo each other. Um, yeah. And I yeah. just, I just don't understand that. It's so toxic. Um, it's it, largely, it's why I don't agree with qu- the quarterly system on anything. Um, mm. I think that, that, quarterly idea it it forces people to do this um because you're you're creating something that's limited and will be gone again and replaced by something else in a, such a short period of time that you force people to rush into buying these things um and as many as they can buy at the time to you know flip or to say that they have as much as they have and i, I don't i don't see the point that they're, they're not collectible in that way it's you know, I, th- I think um, I've always preferred when you look at some of the older brands um, that they, you know, they created anniversary editions, you know, every 50 years or something <laughs> like that, or every 100 years. And they really put the effort into to making something really special. And, you know, they got, you know, a lovely new case for them and lots of um, nice imprinting on them. Apart from the Musgrave 100th anniversary, that looks terrible, um, but, it's, <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> It, it it's one of my favorites because it, it it's so it's so shoddily done um <laughs> that i kind of love it um but yeah I, I just it's it's hard um to get really um engaged in quarterlies i i think we're we're we start collecting for the wrong reason i think we're starting to collect collectibles at that point instead of collecting pencils um, yeah beanie babies it's been yeah you're right it is beanie babies um, <laughs> And I think it's it it's important not to lose sight of that. Um, you know, it's uh, if you, you know, all power to if you wanna you wanna buy six dozen of each of these. Um, and I, I know I'm I'm sort of unintentionally targeting Blackwing, but you know, they are <laughs> the big players at the minute. Um, and 
they are largely responsible for a lot of the pencil after sale market at the minute, whether we want to agree with that or not. But, you know, it's forcing people into a spiral of um, putting up prices for things. You know, we're, we as people, pencil people are creating the pri- after market prices. Yeah. Um, and we've, we're actually making ourselves suffer. But anyway, that's probably another, another conversation. <laughs> that, would, another that would be a really interesting episode. Yeah. It kind of is a little bit like that RSVP episode that you had, Johnny. Which one was that? I don't remember. Oh, didn't you do one about quarterly subscriptions? Oh, of? no. I was doing a bunch of blog posts about it. Oh, the, so, sorry. Yeah, the blog posts. COVID you hit. Did. You went on right. a blog binge with your um, your quarterly editions, didn't you? Was- yeah. And um, like I have a couple more to do, but COVID's is sort of put a break on it. Like <laughs> that it, happened. It turned 15 last week and I forgot. <laughs> Congratulations. It's like more years than I have posts. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Johnny, did you ever find, I think you were looking for that Musgrave pencil, were you, or was it a different one? Oh no, that was the one. I never did find one. I yeah. didn't realize they, they made about 10 of them. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. They made like a set of, of 10, um, wraps that all have this, you know, like happy birthday font that looks like it should be on a balloon or something. <laughs> um, but it's uh, their hundredth anniversary pencil. It's uh, it's an odd one. I don't know why they they made it like that. I thought they would have. I think if they could go back in time, they probably wouldn't have released that like that, saying it's like pushing this legacy brand idea. Um, it's before they hired the the Delgers to like you know yep. provide some design direction, and they really did, didn't they? It was um, yeah, really changed. I, I really respect Musgrave I think I think Henry is just like the don of pencils I think he's incredible <laughs> yeah um, you know like I've, I I think he's my favorite episode on on this podcast I just I don't hmm. think I've ever come across anyone who genuinely loves pencils as much as that guy it, like yeah. it, it's just there you know it's it's so legit absolutely yeah hmm. so thank you again for joining us it's like 12 30 in the morning your time <laughs> so <laughs> we should <laughs> And it's a weekday, so maybe we should wrap up and you could tell folks where to find you on the internet and also on social media if you want. Yeah, sure. Um, well, thank you very much for having me to begin with. Um, yeah, absolutely. I say it, the conversation's probably been slightly disjointed. I'm not sure we stuck yeah. to any script. I, I think you did, but I certainly probably didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But hopefully there's something you can use in the edit. Um, oh, yeah. If you want to find me, um, where am I? Uh, I'm really only active on the group, uh, and that's about it. Um, if if the group wasn't there, I probably wouldn't be on Facebook at all. Uh, so if you want to talk to me properly, that's where you'll find me. Um, and then I have the pencilfodder.com blog, uh, which is such a such a good name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's. Uh, you guys stole all the good names, um, <laughs> uh, so, um, so I had to, I had to go with that. But it's um, it is alive. It's on a slight pause because the two um, posts I'm running at the minute require me to go to the British Library to get a particular document, and I'm not allowed because we're obviously on on lockdown. Um, so once yeah. that happens, it'll there'll be a few posts in the hopefully near future. Um, but that's it. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. Um, and I'm certainly not anywhere else that I know of anyway. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Where can folks find you, Andy? I am on uh, andy.wtf or on 
uh, Instagram and Twitter um, as at a Wellfley. And of course I'm in the group as well. How about you, Jenny? I am at pencil revolution and on social media at Pensolution. And I don't remember where to find Tim because it's not on yeah, here. He's around. Yeah. Um, we are Erasable, the Erasable Podcast, of course. You can find us on the internet at erasable.us. You can find this episode, 146, at erasable.us slash 146. If you feel like supporting us on Patreon, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash erasable. Uh, thank you to our producer-level supporters, who are as follows. Hunter McCain, Bob Ostwald, Michael Dialosa, Jacqueline Myers, Tana Feliz, Chris Ulrich, Ann Sipe, Gangster Hotline, Joe Crace, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkis, John Banyan, sorry, Random Thinks, Jason Dill, Dave McDonald, Leslie Touze, Mary Collis, Johnny Baker, Alex Jonathan Brown, Kathleen Rogers, Rob, Bobby Letzinger, Fourth Letter, Caitlin Weens, Hans Noodleman, Terry Beth Ledbetter, Jay Newton, Stuart Lennon, Chris Jones, and our guest, Dave Tubman. Some Thank you to everybody. Some, some guy named Dave Tubman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad to be in the, uh, the company of Gangster Hotline. That's my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> Gang- Gangster Hotline really, really makes it. Yeah. So thank you, folks, for supporting us. Um, we should probably mention that we had a really cool extra recently that I feel like we should pimp. Um, are we allowed to say what it was? We yeah, did sure. A, yeah, we did a little episode about pens where um, I think people thought that we were making fun of pen people, but most of what we said was totally true, except for me owning Van Goghs. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't sell them. I still have them. Um, you can also find us, the Erasable Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Erasable Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at Erasable Podcast, and you can find our fantastic group at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Thanks again to Gary Varner and Notegeist for sponsoring this episode. Remember, if you go to notegeist.com and use the coupon code erasable146, you get 10% off your order. And if your order exceeds $30, you get a free unemployed Philosopher's Guild note card with your order through August 5th. <laughs>